0: Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. They figure out, after they've gone through uh, the, the caravan, well, he's not here. So they start heading back, and it takes a day to get back, because they were a day's journey out. So they're looking along the way. Can't find his body in the ditch. They don't find him hanging from a tree. Where's he at? We don't know. They get back to Jerusalem. They spend a day searching all over the place, and they finally come to the temple. Well, we've looked everywhere else. And they go to the temple, and they find Jesus there. And the Bible says they were astonished Why do you think they were astonished? Why do you think Mary and Joseph were astonished? My take on it is because that is the absolute last place you're going to find a 12-year-old boy. You lose your kid, the last place you're going to... Oh, yeah, he's at church just sitting there listening to Pastor Mike's sermons. (laughs) If If you found that, you'd be like, what in the... That is so not what's going to happen. He's going to be... Stealing the Play-Doh from the youth room. He's going to be doing something, but he's not going to be sitting around listening to me or to Adam or to Tracy or to anybody else because that's not what 12-year-olds do. And so they're astonished when they see him. And Mary said, Son, why have you treated us so? Sounds like a rebuke, doesn't it? Sounds like a scolding a little bit. And maybe it was. But remember, Mary is not divine. Mary is not sinless. Mary is just like any other mother whose child goes missing and they're all filled with anxiety when they finally found him, they hug him the, hug almost their ears and eyeballs almost pop out and then, what were you doing? What are you thinking? Where have you been? You know? <laughs> hey, we can understand her response. She's beside herself with worry. But here is where we come to a statement that if you don't get anything else out of this message today, if all the rest of us is just historical fluff and it's whatever, and you're like, "Eh, you haven't got anything yet, get something out of this. Because we come to a statement that, that sets this family and sets Jesus on a new trajectory that is unbelievable. Notice what she goes on to say. Son, why have you treated us so? Behold... Your father and I have been searching you for you in great distress. Behold, your father and I, your father and I, who do you think she meant when she said your father? Now we all know that Joseph was not his biological father. We've, we've got enough teaching and learning about that. He was, but was it wrong for her to say your father in that context? No, because we know that Joseph was his adoptive father. Joseph took on the full responsibility and became the only earthly father that he would know. But Mary is staking, stating, you know, his identity, your father and I. And I can only imagine that Jesus knew the stories. That he knew that Joseph was not his biological father. That he knew that. Joseph was just that fill-in, that stand-in, that adoptive father. And I'm not criticizing or putting that down in any way because that's an important role. Many 12-year-olds, when they hear something like that, and they know the parent isn't their biological parent, would be tempted to say what? That's right. He's not my father. Father? What are you talking? He's not my father. What I want you to notice, though, is that Without any rebellious intention, without any attitude of superiority, Jesus responds with a question, a question that demonstrates that he has come to know who he is and why he's here. He just simply looks at her and says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house or that I must be about my father's business. First question. Why were you looking for me? In other words, mom, why were you and Joseph searching here and there and everywhere? Why were you going all over the place? You you know who I am. Why why didn't you just come to the temple? Why didn't you just come straight back here? Why, why, Why didn't you come to the place that is called the house of Yahweh? Wouldn't you know that I would be about My father's business or be in his house? In this simple statement, Jesus is on the verge of stepping out from under the spiritual coverage of Mary and Joseph, sets into motion a reality that is uniquely his. He makes a statement here that rings loud and clear. I'm not like every other child. I am unique. I am unique because Yahweh is my father. I am unique because I am his son. I am unique because he has sent me on an eternally significant mission and I must dedicate myself to that mission. It's not a smart aleck response. It's not an irritated response. It's not a negative or rebellious response. It's a response of fact. I'm about to cross over into adulthood here. I'm about to enter into the place where I am fully accountable without you before the Father. Remember, he's fully human. And I have a mission. And I have a purpose. And I have an identity. And I can't, I can't set that aside for your concerns and worries. Now, I'm adding a lot of words there. But I think that it does justice to what we find happening here. And you know, I find it astonishing as I, I look at this passage. It's astonishing that Mary and Joseph, who, remember now, they both received angelic visitations. Angelic visitations that told them that Jesus was unique, that he's the son of god that he has come to save a people from their sin not only did they receive the angelic visitation they had witnesses from elizabeth and from the shepherds and from simeon and from anna and from the magi all reinforcing that they were there playing a unique role in the life of a child who was destined to become the once for all sacrifice for sin and i'm astonished that with all that revelation, they couldn't remember it and grasp it. And how do we know that they didn't? Because Luke records it there in verse 50. They did not understand the saying he spoke to them. You know how I take that? I take that like this, and this is important for all of us. It simply underscores the reality of how easy it is how easy it is for us to lose sight and or forget what we've received from God because of the fog of our sin-cursed humanity. I'm not going to pick on them for not remembering. I mean, they had extraordinary revelation. But how many of us receive God's revelation throughout our lives by the Word and by the Spirit? And we have it for a day or a month, maybe for six months, and then it goes off somewhere And we forget who we are and we forget whose we are and we forget that we've actually been delivered from the power of sin and so we start believing the lies of Satan again and we begin to fall back into those old familiar sinful patterns and we have to be reminded again that we've been delivered, that we've been set free, that we've come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, that we've gone from being children of destruction and condemnation to children of love and children of grace and children of of God. We tend to forget, don't we? Yeah, I know I do and we need constant reminders. and why? Well, because we do live in this fog of our sin-cursed humanity. Well how did Jesus respond to them? And with this we begin to land the plane today. verse 51, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And was submissive to them. Does that catch any of you as interesting to contemplate the creator being submissive to the creation? I mean, hey, he has discovered who he is. He's getting a real good understanding of what he's here for. He's got big fish to fry. Most of us would say, get the chains off of me. Let me get to it. But you see, he was in a place of life where his was to still develop, to still learn, to still grow. And instead of jumping out ahead of everything, he does what? He submits. Let me tell you that Jesus does, in this case, what Jesus always does. He submits to the authority that is over him. Let me give you three examples. First, there's the Father. Jesus the Son, and God the Father are co-equal. But when it comes to authority, the Father does have authority. And when the Father developed the plan of redemption before the foundation of the world and tasked His Son to be the sacrifice, the Son did not consider His divineness to be something to be grasped, but He humbled Himself. He submitted Himself And he came. Here in the temple, we find that it's not time for his earthly... It's going to be another 17 to 18 years before he can get on with the business. But what does he do? He submits himself to his earthly authority. Then would come the ultimate submission. The death on the cross. Where he lays down his life. Remember his prayer in Gethsemane? Lord, if this, could, cup can be, if this cup can be passed off to something else, but nevertheless not my will, but yours be done. Hey, listen to this. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, knows the virtue of humility and the righteousness of submission. I'm going to walk away from that for a sec to meddle in your cheese. If God, the Son, understands the virtue of humility and the righteousness of submission coming under the authority of another, I want to ask us the question, who in the world are we to think that we don't have a responsibility to submission To the authorities that are placed over us. Four questions for you. Which way does your rhythm of life lean? Toward God? Or toward your own interests? Second question. Are you aware that long ago you reached your crossover point? I'm not talking to children here. I'm pretty sure all of you have reached the age of accountability. Are you aware that you stand before God? Fully accountable? Have you come to faith in Christ? Have you come under the authority and covering of Jesus? Or do you stand alone under the condemnation of God? Christian, have you discovered who you are? Have you discovered why you are here from God's divine perspective? Are you actively engaged in pursuing the Father's plan for you? Or are you floundering in the fog of this world's identities and purposes? Finally, do you daily submit to the Holy Spirit's direction? in your life you realize the spirit was given to you to teach you God's ways he was given to you to direct your life in the will and plan of God he calls you if you're in Christ to submit to his leadership this is On Mission the Mission Church is located at 12001 Bridgemont Drive in Urbandale